Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. We saw this morning as he poured his heart out into the church of Corinth. You know, it's difficult, um, I'm sure, for Paul to start these churches and, and then move on, and his heart's attached to the people there. And he, um, he was interested in their life, and when he left, it wasn't he cut ties with them. When he, when he left, he'd write back to them, encourage them. He'd instruct them. He took the necessary time. I believe, obviously, as we saw this morning, soul winning and preaching the gospel and seeing people saved is, is vitally important. That's the, the main thing. It's what we need to be doing. But also helping that new believer, instructing them, teaching them. The Bible said that Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 18, he stayed for a year and six months and taught them the word of the Lord, taught them how to behave as Christians. Salvation is the first step of a Christian, but it's not the last step of a Christian. Salvation is a first step that a believer must take in order for salvation, but there's so much more. There's so much more. And Paul is writing now to the church at Ephesus. You'd find here in chapter number 1, verse 1, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. He starts out, he says to them in verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he writes now to the church at Ephesus, to the saints or the believers there at Ephesus, giving them instruction. I want you to follow along with me in verse number 1. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Whatever God has called you to do, be worthy. Walk worthy. What he's instructing them here is, is mature as a believer. Do what you're supposed to do because God's called you to do it, not because somebody is going to check up on you. Be, be accountable to the Lord. In verse number two, with all lowliness, he's telling us now how to behave with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Paul also now, in verse number two, he's telling us to do what God's called us to do, be worthy of that vocation, and then he's telling us how to treat the brethren. Have you ever, have you ever been short with somebody? Did you ever treat somebody in such a way, and after you were finished, Boy, you knew that wasn't the way you should have behaved. I should have, I should have given them a little bit more time. Maybe, maybe even your own, those in your own family. I know at times my kids will want my attention or my time, and I, I'll be a thousand different other places, and sometimes my wife will say, give them some attention. Help them, encourage them, spend time with them. And Paul is maybe not saying this to a father to, toward his children, but, but I think we could take verse number two in every aspect of our life. We're to deal with people with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. He goes on to say in verse number three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In verse number four, he says this, there's, there's one body and one Spirit even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us, 
is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he hath ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Look down with me in verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into this unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men, but in cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Paul is... All throughout his epistles, everywhere you find, Paul is teaching that doctrine is, is the main thing. We've got to stand upon doctrine, the Word of God. The deity of Christ. I was in a conversation this past week with someone about the deity of Christ, and they asked me, what do you think about someone that doesn't believe in the deity of Christ? I said, I believe that they're involved in a cult. If, if Jesus Christ isn't God, then I don't believe it's true. It's a cult. We believe this, the deity of Christ. We believe in the doctrine. We believe that he was born of a virgin. We believe that, that the Bible is without error. It doesn't contradict itself. It's infallible. It's truth. It never changes. We believe in the Word of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. And Paul is teaching. He's teaching. We believe in the, the priesthood of the believer. These are things that we, our foundation is built upon. We believe that salvation is by faith. We believe that man is, uh, uh, can't do anything to, to, to merit salvation, but just simply this, that Jesus Christ came, he died, he shed his blood. Good works can't save a man. Religion can't save a man. Baptism can't save a person. Only faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in eternal security. We believe that you can't lose your salvation. We believe this. Once you're saved, you're saved. You're engraved in, in the hand of God. No one can take you out. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. We believe in the rapture of the church, that one day a trump's going to sound, and those that, that are, are dead are going to rise, and those that are alive are going to then rise and meet those in the clouds. And the Bible says to comfort one another these words. You know, doctrine ought to comfort us. And Paul is teaching here, he's teaching that, that doctrine is essential to the believer. Doctrine is essential, but... So is right behavior. You could be doctrinally sound, but be the worst person to be around. No one will want to hear what you have to say. Paul is teaching here in the book of Ephesians to be sound doctrinally, to know what you believe, to know why you believe it. And it is also going to teach us here the right behavior that goes with a Christian as well. Do you ever meet a Christian that was miserable to be around? Huh? I hope that's nobody here in this room. Boy, I mean, they know the Bible, they're saved, but they're just miserable. 
And Paul is going to teach the, the Ephesian, the church here at Ephesus to have the right doctrine and have the right behavior. Paul, he's addressing the church here and he's instructing these disciples of Jesus Christ, these believers, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's instructing them how to behave and to treat each other. He uses this word unity. And unity is a theme that you would find all throughout the book of Ephesians. You know why? Because we as human beings, it's difficult for us to be in agreement because we're humans. Sometimes we like to disagree just to disagree. Paul is teaching the church at Ephesus here that unity is necessary among the brethren. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus so that he can address their doctrine. He's also writing so he can address their relationships and also that he can address unity within the church. He desires for them to have right doctrine. He desires for them to have a right relationship and he desires for them to have unity within the church. Do you know this? God desires for there to be unity within his body. Think about it. your body, your body, our, our body. Could you imagine if your head tells your body that we're going to go this way, but half your, you know, your arm and your, one of your legs want to go the other way? Could you imagine what that would look like? Does anybody want to show us? <laughs> I mean, look, you know how crazy you would be? If you're just walking down the street and your hand just kept hitting your head, slapping yourself? Kicking yourself? I mean, could you imagine how crazy that would look? You'd look at that person, you'd say, what is wrong with them? Why can't, what, I mean, there's something wrong. If, if that was the case, you would take yourself to the doctor, as long as the other half would go with you. You could take yourself to the doctor and figure out, what is wrong with me? Why, why is there no unity? Why am I not getting along with myself? The church, it's the body of Christ. And just as you need unity within your body so that you can function, unity is needed in the body of Christ so it functions the way God desires for it to function as well. It's essential. It's important. And Paul is saying that the church has to be grounded upon the word of God. Doctrine is essential, it's important. And how we treat each other is important as well. You know, human nature, because of pride, because of arrogance, because of jealousy, because of selfishness, because of sin, those things cause division. He said, boy, you're, you hit it on it this morning and you're hitting on it tonight. I told you I needed 30 more minutes this morning, so I'm going to take it tonight. It might take 40. <laughs> you know, even saved people go unchecked. They behave incorrectly and they cause divisions within the local church. Some of the ugliest fighting doesn't take place necessarily in the drunkard's home. Some of it takes place in the body of Christ. Some of the ugliest fighting doesn't take place in the unsaved home. Some of it takes place in the body of Christ. We had a business meeting this evening. 
I've heard of church business meetings where the sheriff department's been called. Yeah. Anybody ever hear that? I've heard of churches, if we're not careful, that, that people say things and do things that cause hurt on purpose to somebody else. God help us never to get that way. God help our church to love the brethren. But you know, that's a practice that has to take place on purpose. And Paul is teaching the believer here how to behave. He goes on to instruct us and he goes on to remind us that there is one body, there is one spirit, and there, is, there should be unity when we come together because there is only one reason we come together. As Paul said this morning, as we looked at this morning at 1 Corinthians, the only reason we come together is Jesus Christ. We come together because of Christ. We come together to worship Christ. We come together to magnify Christ and exalt Christ. We come together to be strengthened so that we can go out into a world and we can preach Christ. That's the responsibility of the church. And unity is needed so that can be accomplished. But sometimes, if we're not careful, the church can lose its passion, it can lose its vision, it can lose its purpose, the why it exists, and it gets caught up in things that it has no business getting caught up in. You know, there isn't multiple gods. There isn't, you do it your way and I do it my way. I do it the way I think is right and you do it the way you think is right. No, no, Paul says this, there's one God, there's one Father, there's one, one, one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. It isn't a free-for-all to however we want to do it. There's one way and that one way is the Bible way. And it's not for me to decide what way I want it done. It's not for us to decide what way we want it done. It's for us to decide we're going to do it the way God wants it done. And there's only one way. You know, there's a lot of things in life that we can do our own way. But God, the Word of God, in the church, there's only one way. You can believe whatever you want. That's not what the Bible says. And Paul says there's only one Lord, there's only one faith, and it's dependent upon Him, what God says. As a pastor, I am very careful not to interject my, my personal preferences. I mentioned this morning, there are some things that I might do in my home that, you know, it doesn't make it right or wrong, it just makes it right or wrong for my home. Very careful not to insert those personal things or those opinions into my messages. The reason why is if it isn't Bible, it causes divisions. I didn't, I didn't say a whole lot about the election coming up. You know why? Too much of a chance to cause unnecessary divisions. I know what I believe. I believe that we ought to support a, 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 a pro-life platform. I believe that. If that causes division, that's the word of God, not me. I believe, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. But there's a lot of things that 
could have been said or I could have said that could have caused a lot of division unnecessarily. And people leave here and what they're talking about is what was said, not about the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Sunday I could come up and talk about a lot of different things. But that's not going to help our church move forward. What's going to help our church move forward is when we in unity gather around the word of God and we agree with the word of God says and the word of God is preached and Jesus Christ is exalted. That's what we need moving forward. We believe in the inspiration and authority of Scripture. As I said earlier, we believe in the virgin birth, the blood atonement, the deity of Christ. You know, there's so much the Bible has to say. I don't think there's a whole lot of time for what we want to talk about. There's so much that we could be talking about in the Word of God. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the premillennial return of Christ, and, 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 and Christians, uh, there's so much for us. You know, being a fundamentalist means that Our beliefs, our actions are solely upon the word of God. Paul is teaching us that the true unity can only come when God's word is in its proper place. Christian, listen, so many homes that claim to be Christian homes, God's word is not in its proper place. And that's why there's disunity in the homes. That's why there's disunity within parents and how to raise their children, how to discipline their children. God has the answer for all of that. That's why there's disunity in the church. Some want to believe certain things or, 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 or certain uh, 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 preferences. And, and, and Paul says, no, 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 it's about doctrine. And once we've got that doctrine sound, it's about treating each other properly so that we can in unity reach our community. When one's position is not to bring unity, but rather conflict, they're not being led by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 18, look with me real quick over there. Would you turn there, Matthew chapter 18? Matthew chapter number 18. If you know your Bible, you know this, this is... Jesus speaks of the church discipline or resolving conflict with another brother. And in this uh, verse number 15, he says this, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between him, uh, thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth or two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two, or you, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of thy Father which is in heaven. For where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. A lot of people use that when they pray. Hey, the Bible says when two or three, but you know that is in the, in the same context of church discipline. 
And here we find this, that Jesus is speaking of this, and, 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 and with discipline, even with discipline, even when there's discord, the, the, the responsibility is to restore at the lowest level possible. To restore a brethren without getting everyone involved in that restoration. It's to get... Brother Mickey and I have a, have, he, 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 there's at odds or there's ought there. The, the, the responsibility of, of this is for him and I to reconcile just between him and I and nobody else to be involved. If that can happen, the Bible says we've saved a brother. Produces unity. Restoration or unity is key. Even in church discipline, unity is key. It's unity that the Lord's after here. When someone is brought before the church, what is the, re- what is the purpose so that person repents of what they've done so that there could be unity within the church? Why would Christ say that if they do not hear, remove them from the fellowship? You know why? So that there can be unity within the church. Because if there's some that, that are causing issues or problems within the church, they're going to always bring disunity. And when there's disunity, the church doesn't accomplish what Christ wants it to accomplish. As long as there's unresolved sin, unity cannot take place. God's desire is for his church to have unity. Tonight, that is, I hope you get this. It's vitally important. I'm just not repeating myself on purpose. I'm hoping everyone understands and hears. Unity in the church is what God desires. In sin, disrupts that unity. Not treating each other correctly disrupts that unity. The church ought to be a place where healing comes. A church ought to be a place where forgiveness comes. A church ought to be a place where, where encouragement comes. Yes, the church ought to be a place where conviction comes. When somebody is involved in sin, sin should be confronted. Somebody should not feel comfortable continuing their sin coming to a local New Testament church. If somebody is in sin, they should be under conviction when they come into the house of God from the preaching of the word of God, from the fellowship of the believers, it ought to cause conviction in that person's heart. Sin is only going to cause disunity, but when somebody gets right with the Lord and right with their brethren, that produces unity. And when unity comes in the church, the church is strong. God hears the prayers of the church. Then when those come together, then two or three are gathered, when there's unity, God says, I'm going to answer anything you want answered. I think about that. If our church were in unity and came together and asked the Lord of something, the Lord would answer that prayer. That's pretty big. I want you to turn back with me to Ephesians, if you would please. Ephesians chapter 4. Find your place back in the book of Ephesians. Verse, uh, chapter number four, I want you to see in verse number seven, the Bible says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Paul says in verse number seven that you can't do this alone or in your own strength. There's a measure of grace that's given. 
Listen, this unity is only possible by the grace of Jesus Christ. This is not something that you can, with your own strength, do. And this is the enjoyable part of this. There is adequate amount of grace needed in order for the church to do what you've been called to do, the vocation you've been called to, and in unity do what God's called you to do. You know what that means this, that whatever God has called me to do and whatever God has called Brother Gagne to do and whatever God has called Brother Holmes to do, they're all different things, but we can function in unity so God receives the glory. That's essential. Every single person here in the church, God has gifted and called and, 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 and given you a task to do. And it's all different. And that's the exciting thing about a church. Everyone has a different task. And when everyone does the task that God has equipped you to do and God has given you the grace to do, when that happens, unity comes. And when unity comes, what we find is God receiving glory. The church does its purpose on earth. Listen, the church, and I know you know this, this is the Sunday night crowd, I, I understand that the church isn't just a building where we come to the, on Sundays because it's in us to, to, to have some kind of a religious practice in our lives. The church, the local New Testament church, the church is, is the body of Christ. It's where we come together, and when we come together, we ought to turn the world upside down. I think singing shows unity. We're worshiping. We're worshiping a God, one God, one faith, one Lord. Through one song, lifting our voice and praising God for who he is. And, 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 the, and the angels ought to look. Listen, the angels are worshiping the Lord and, and he didn't die for them. They don't even experience redemption. They didn't even experience that they were once sinners. And they never experienced the grace of God, the mercy of God, like we as Christians, as believers have experienced. And we've experienced the fact that we were lost and dead in trespasses and sins. We've experienced going down a path where hell was our final destiny. But Jesus said, stop! I'm going to pay that sin debt. I've paid every debt that you owe. I've paid. I've gone to the cross and become sin that you were. And listen, I, I'm saved now because of what Jesus Christ has done. How do I not lift up my voice and sing to the Almighty God? Listen, I believe this. I just believe that someone lost ought to come in and when they walk in the doors, they ought to say, boy, them Christians shake hands differently. Those Christians, they, they welcome us differently. They smile. I really believe they want me there. They ought to come in and say, boy, when I walk into that room, there's something different. I'm not talking about fleshly and, 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 and worldly. I'm talking about the fact that we start singing about Jesus and we're in awe of who he is. And we sing about the blood. I don't know how you sing about the blood without getting excited about what Jesus Christ has done. Even Jesus loves me. Well, I hear Jesus loves me, and it sends me back, sends me back. This past Thursday, I was able to go and just sit in the parking lot of the church that I got saved in, and I sat there, and I prayed, and I thanked God. I said, God, from 36 or 34 years ago, when I sat here at this church in that classroom, what you've done with my life, I just thank you, and I praise you for it. 
And then I had an opportunity that day to, to, to perform a funeral service of a, of a lady that's in heaven. I think, my life has been good since I've been saved. I think about the wife that God's given me. I think about the children that God's given me. I think about the, 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 the calling that God has placed in my, my life. I think about that time as a 16-year-old boy at the camp and, and, and surrendering my life to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I remember those times and I say, God is so good. I don't know how when it's time to sing about him I don't sing. Somebody ought to come into the house of God and say this, if that's what being a Christian sounds like, I want it. I want it. I don't have to have a good voice to sing. If that was a requirement, then God would have been wrong for giving me the voice he gave me. But God never said, lift your good voice up the Lord. He said, make a noise unto the Lord. It needs to be our focus. It needs to be our main thing. It needs to be number one on our list. We need to wake up and the first thing in our mind is, Lord, I want to serve you today. I want to be worthy of the calling you've called me to. I don't want to get tied up into petty differentness. I don't want to get tied up into garbage or worldly lust or sinful things. I want you to be number one in my mind. I want you to bring me across that soul closest to hell. And I want to live my life in such a way where they say, I got to have what that Christian has because what I have is destroyed my life boy and then they ought to come into the house of God and there ought to be something different about the house of God this place ought to be the most exciting thing going on in Monclova this place ought to be the most encouraging thing happening in Monclova People ought to come from all around because of the unity that's here and what's produced when the unity comes with believers and then what the outflow that comes, the love that's shown, not so that you love me or me love you, so that we love God. And that's the purpose we have unity in a church. Paul spent time and effort and pouring his heart out to the church at Ephesus. And this is impossible to do as a person in our own flesh. We have to do this with the help of God. 